promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will send the scepter of your power out of Zion, saying, rule over your enemies round about you. Princely state has been yours from the day of your birth, and the beauty of holiness have I begotten you like dew from the womb of the morning. The Lord has sworn, and he will not recant. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and amen. This is our psalm uh, for this week that I've picked. I could have picked a, a bunch of different ones. Uh, this one's Psalm 110, 1 through 4, which is the psalm that we'd normally hear for on Christmas Eve. Uh, we have Psalm 96, Psalm 2, a bunch of different choices that, that we could have for our psalm for the week. I picked this one in part because in just a small number of verses, we have the glories of what it is that we understand as Christians, of what we know of Christ, all summed up in just these, these four verses. The Lord said to my Lord. All right, this is a question that, that uh, Jesus asks of the leadership. Well, uh, David wrote, the Lord said to my Lord. How can uh, the Messiah be both the son of David and his Lord? And they were confused by that threw them off, um, which it should. It should confuse us too, because it's a difficult question. Well, he is called the son of David, but he's also called the Lord, and David called him Lord, and that's weird. But here it begins, the Lord said to my Lord, the idea that you have a Lord. We've talked about this a billion times, that it's not just God up somewhere, or Jesus, a, a cute little baby or whatnot. It's about him being yours. That he's given himself to you and that he is yours. That's the declaration of God to you, that you have a God. The hope and prayer of Christmas is that it comes to you as reality, that he is yours. But anyways, so sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Isn't that what we confess in the, uh, in the Apostles' Creed? That he sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again to judge the living and the dead? That, that is what we confess, right? that, that uh, right now Christ has ascended, he's exalted, and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again. That's one of the things that we look at at Advent, that Advent is not just about pre preparing for Santa Claus and elves and hot chocolate and ham and presents and stockings and twinkling lights and eggnog and all that stuff. That's not what it's about. Advent is about the, the preparation for Christ to come, both the first time and the second time. The first time which he's already done for you, the second time that he will do. And in that second time, he's going to become, he's, he's coming not as a babe in a manger, but as a victorious king, one who has conquered the foes of sin, death, and the devil. And that here, it's saying, sit at my right hand. 
until I make your enemies your footstool, until you can prop yourself back and put your feet up on top of death, on top of all sin, on top of the devil. And that is what we're seeing in, in, in Christ here, that he comes to us as a baby, that he might gain that victory, that in his death he defeats death, and in his resurrection he defeats death, that in his death he defeats sin, he forgives it, that in his resurrection it's made that we might know it to be true, and that he's defeated the devil, because the devil can say whatever he wants to about God and about you, but God has said something about you in that cross and in the manger of who he is for you. And here it's all leading up to Christ putting, propping his feet up on the bodies of sin, death, and the devil, that he might be your victorious king, your freeing king, your rescuing king, as we talked about in Sunday school on Sunday. The Lord will send the scepter of your power out of Zion, Zion being the chosen city of God, the new Jerusalem even, saying, rule over your enemies round about you, giving power to Christ, that this all-powerful king comes in the lowliness of that manger to gain that victory in the most humblest of ways, death on a cross for you. Princely state has been yours from the day of your birth that he is the king, right? The three kings come looking for the king, that they might bow down to him, that they might worship him, and that is what they do. These kings casting their crowns before him, and that Herod is not willing to do that because he's not willing to admit that there is one greater than he. And that's one of the struggles that we have as, as human beings in our sin, is being able to get to that point in which we are willing to say, I am not God, I'm not my own Messiah. I'm not my own savior. I am not the king of my domain, but I have one who is Jesus Christ, the son of God, born into this world as a prince, as a king, to save me from myself sometimes. In the beauty of holiness have I begotten you, brought you into the world in the beauty of holy. I love that phrase, in the beauty of holiness. I'm reading out of our hymnal, by the way. Like dew from the womb of the morning. I love that picture too. This dew that coats the grass, coats the cars, coats the trees, coating it, covering it. The sense of Christ covering and, and covering everything of us, covering over our sin and removing it. Covering over us to wash us clean by his blood. Doing that through this baby born for you. The Lord has sworn that he, and he will not recant. He won't repent. He won't change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek was uh, king of, of Salem or Salaam, uh, king of, of peace, uh, and basically the king of Jerusalem. And he was also a priest. And it's said of him when he uh, encounters Abraham back in Genesis that he was one without father or mother, that no one knew his origin, that, that he was not a priest based on genealogy, he was a priest based on declaration, and that he brings to Abraham wine and bread. Hmm. Communion, anyone? Yeah. But here, this declaration of Christ being prince or king, but then also priest, 
who, who, who mediates for us, who prays for us, who intercedes for us, who sacramentalizes us through his body and through his blood. That is what Christ is doing. And in this notion of him being a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek means he's not tied to some sort of privilege of, well, I was born a Levite and through the lineage of Aaron, so I get to be a priest. No. He's a priest by what God has declared of who he is. I had uh, someone ask on Sunday again, uh, um, and I've had quite a number of my parishioners ask, so is your son going to be a pastor? <laughs> and, and I think usually my first response is, oh God, I hope not. <laughs> he, he has his own interests, and I want him to be able to enjoy those interests. But at the same time, God will call him to whatever God calls him to be. He's not going to be a pastor because his daddy was a pastor. That's the worst reason to become a pastor. Uh, I can confess to that, and my dad can confess to that. It's not the reason why you become pastors. My dad's a pastor. I'm a pastor. You don't become a pastor because your dad's a pastor. You become a pastor because God has called you. That's why you become a pastor. You don't become a pastor because you're born into it. To become a pastor, God has called you and given you that. Well, here it is with Christ. He's not a priest because he was born into the right family. He's a priest because God has declared it so, as well as he does priestly things. He prays for us. He sacrifices for us. He mediates over us before God himself. And he does all of that for our sake. And so here he is declared as a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek because he's going to be one that lives forever and is a priest forever. Now, I've always found it interesting that not only has he declared a priest, uh, the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, a priest of one who's going to be uh, making sacrifices for sins and, and praying for us and all those things, but he is also the, the lamb of the sacrifice, right? And then also elsewhere, we learn that he's the temple. <laughs> that not only is he the priest offering the sacrifice, not only is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but he is also the temple, his body. That he might be all those things for us. That we might not have to look for something somewhere else, but that all of our life, all of our faith, all of our love, all of our everything, our spirituality, all of that stuff is tied up in Christ. And so as you make your way towards Christmas, Realize that that is the case for you. Let's pray. O oh God, who has made this most holy night to shine with the brightness of the true light, grant we beseech thee that as we have known on earth the mysteries of that light, we may also come to the fullness of his joys in heaven, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord and we will see you tomorrow.